0: Welcome to the Life Church Reno podcast. Here at Life Church, we seek to love God, love others, and make a difference. From wherever you're listening, we pray that this message impacts you.
1: Today, we're continuing in our series called Immeasurably More, rooted in this verse in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Paul's wrapping up this prayer, and he says it like this He says, Now to him, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. According to his power that is at work within us. And we've been talking about how many times we don't go through life with the right amount of what I would call holy expectation and a sense of expectancy of God's activity in our lives and through our lives. And so we talked a couple of weeks ago about what does it look like to dream about immeasurably more of what God might wanna do in and through and for our families. Last week, we uh, talked about what might it look like to dream a little bigger, about what God might want to do in and through and for our church here at Life Church. And today I want to talk to you about what does immeasurably more look like in our friendships. And so today, uh, each week in this series, I'm having a chat with a leadership family here at Life Church about this kind of area of their life. And so let's welcome the Valverdes to the stage here. Got Jason and Marielle. Jason uh, is our tech director, oversees all the sound and lights and, and video. I, I said to him, first service, I said, sometimes these guys want to remain anonymous so people don't know who to go to to say, I wish it was a little more loud or a little less loud. And so,
2: 100%. So let's,
1: let's just pretend this. Don't, don't hold this against it. Don't, let's act like you still don't know who's in charge of that stuff. And so, uh, hey, so uh, guys, thanks for doing this. Uh, take uh, uh, you guys have been on the team here a couple of years. Uh, talk a little bit about uh, you guys just your background, introduce you guys to the
2: church. Awesome. So, I'm originally from San Diego, California. She's originally from, yeah,
1: San Diego. Originally, uh, she's originally, can you, from, he's uh, from, he's from California. Can you believe someone here from California? It's uh, weird. uh mixed wow. feelings still. Yeah. <laughs> yes.
2: I have Nevada plates, like that counts. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, anyway, she's originally from the Philippines. Uh, we met at. We were both serving at Saddleback Church in Southern California. It was the classic tale, yeah,
1: good church. little clap for Saddleback, clap. wow, Saddleback. wow. I'm bringing we're the- gonna have awkward clap- clapping through this whole message, it's gonna. I have a lot of good nuggets, yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> no, it was a classic tale, I was on the worship, well we were both on the worship team, I was playing guitar, she was singing and
1: just fell madly in love and. You know, there's, it's, that's it's actually life. been, st- studies have shown that a man simply carrying a guitar becomes instantly more attractive. <laughs> Simply, uh, was that your strategy? 100%. And, and so, was it effective?
0: I can confirm. Uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> that is a thing.
0: Good, yeah.
1: yeah How cool. often do you pull out the guitar at home just...
2: <laughs> Usually when I'm like in trouble or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna put my dishes away.
1: Or look at the, guitar, look yeah. at the guitar, look
2: at the guitar.
1: Remember, remember the good
2: times. <laughs> just kidding, anyway. Um, and yeah, so we started dating and then uh, about a year or so into us dating, she went back to the Philippines with her family. So we were long distance for like two years, and then, long two years, and then we decided to get married, so we went over to the Philippines and got married. That you guys are That's us. The day we got married. She looks looks exactly the same. Yeah, she does. I have a hard job. I I don't know, No, no excuses. Um, yeah, so we got married, and then when she was finally back here in the States, uh, I was working at, I was a tech director at another church in Southern California, um, it was a multi-campus tech director, so I, was, we, I oversaw about nine campuses from like San Diego County to about LA County and everything in between, so it was a lot of driving and a lot of hours in the car, um, But I I still really like the church. I still really love the staff and the volunteers. I really loved working with the volunteers. But, you know, um, and at that time, we found out we were pregnant with our first or oldest. And I began that little checklist of, like, do I really want to be in the car driving so much? Do I really want to be so many hours away from home? So I started making this checklist of things that I wanted in a new job or changes in a job or something. And uh, the day our daughter was born, our oldest, I found out about this job.
1: I think we actually called you while you were at the hospital, right? Yeah.
2: It was a long delivery. I was... You weren't doing much of the work? No. Uh. Barely anything at all. <laughs> Moral support. No, teamwork.
0: Yeah, Something. Teamwork goes. <laughs> <That's-> <laughs> it yeah, teamwork Yeah.
2: Yeah, so I found out about this job and then um, met up with Pastor Dave and Pastor Greg and... Um, met them and kind of heard what the church is about. And then I flew out here to meet the team and, uh, you know, talked to my wife afterwards. Like, do do we really want to go? Like, I love my life. I'm from Southern California. All my friends and family are there. Uh, All my support system is from there. I really like my job. Um, So like, are we going to go? But every door just seemed to open. And this, um, yeah, just every door opened. And since then, it's just been a huge blessing. Every little box I had like has been checked off. So it's been really great.
1: That's awesome. So you, uh, yeah. So you guys got up here. You knew one couple in the church already uh, from college days. But other than that, no, no friends here, no family here. Brand new baby. And uh, what did that feel like? Just kind of new town, not really knowing anybody?
0: Yeah, well, we're both we both come from pretty big families, and that's what we're used to. Especially when you're starting your own family, you expect, you know, grandparents to be around and cousins and and uncles and aunts and all that stuff. And of course, we knew that that's not what we were going to get moving out of state. But it still is like when we were here, it still was hard. It still we noticed the difference right away, and we we craved that. Like we craved that group of people or that tribe or something, you know? So it was, yeah, it was kind of hard.
1: And so now two years later, have you guys made any friends? Like one? That's really the whole purpose of this time is just that we can just sit in this sad moment of their loneliness and, so, uh, and see if anybody will be friends. Just kidding. So, but you guys, now a couple of years in, you guys have, have made some great friendships. Talk about kind of how that happened and, and some steps you took.
0: I mean, well, him being a leader of a ministry, you know, just naturally through service and through serving, through different events and things like that, or, um, yeah, people have just been, like, generally welcoming here, so it about, hasn't been, it hasn't been that hard. About 40% of the hard. people
1: here are basically kind. Yes, yeah. And, yeah.
0: Uh, it hasn't been that hard to make friends, but actually, one of the first services that I went, of course, since he works during the service, I kind of just go alone, so I was sitting alone one time with my baby, and I randomly befriended another new mom and um, she was new to the area as well. So, you know, we kind of bonded over that and, and we wanted to connect with more people. We wanted to find more people. So we, on behalf of our husbands, just decided like, oh, we'll join a small group together and it'll be fine. So,
1: so note to self, you feel free to join a, a life group for your with your spouse without them knowing. It's totally okay. It's,
0: it's, like, it's a very efficient way to yes. <laughs> get it, that, it, i say.
1: Hey, we got this thing, and you didn't even know until you showed up at the first night, right? How, that you no, were, I didn't know what was going
2: on, and then I... Done, you were blindfolded, it was kind of... Yeah, I was like, is, is this a surprise party? Like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> no, it worked out for... I mean, it worked out, obviously, but um, it was great because the the leader of the small group was actually serving on the production team, so that was really nice for me because, like, I'm more of an introvert. I'm in the back. I try to disappear as much as I can. So, you know, but, so it was a nice icebreaker for me to like, oh, I already know this person. I don't have to do this whole thing again. Um, yeah, but it's been super great being in that group. It's been so rewarding and so refreshing. Um, there's so many times when like, like I'm sure all of you guys experience a hard day at school or at work or family things are going crazy. And the last thing you want to do after you get home from a long day is put your shoes back on and go out the door and talk life with people. Like, I don't, I, it's hard for me to do that, you know?
1: 80% of the time I've ever gone to life group, I've not wanted to go before I went. Yeah. but It's like, oh, I'm about to be with all these people, and I'm exhausted, and yes. Can, yeah, like
2: things are going wrong. And then Claire,
1: Claire shames me into going. Yep. You can do this. You are the pastor. And...
2: Uh, Yeah, but those have been the most rewarding moments. Um, I mean, I can look back on countless times that, you know, I didn't want to go for whatever reason. Um, And those are the moments when we dive into the message a bit deeper and we get to hear from other people in our small group or things that we've been praying about as a small group, like marriages being restored. uh, There's healing um, people, you know, overcoming cancer and things like that. Like, there's just been so many, like, great things. And even things like we had one person, I remember, I think about it all the time. We had somebody in our group, but just I was in line at Whole Foods and I felt like I should pray for this person. And she started talking to this person and that person came to church. And it was those little moments that like, you know, I work in ministry full time and I'm always at the church. If you ever come on a random time, I'm most likely here. Um, so yeah, a lot of my work is here. A lot of my social life is around you actually here. keep a sleeping bag up. And yeah, I have finish. a hammock in that back yeah, corner yeah. in case anybody gets tired during the... <laughs> No, um, was it? Oh, yeah, wait.
1: So the Whole Foods, sorry. Yeah, the Whole Foods yeah. thing.
2: So, it's, yeah, it's just hearing those stories. Like, so they're at Whole Foods, they prayed for this person. Yeah, prayed for this person, they came to church. But I was saying, like, a lot of my life is working at the church. Um, so I could get bogged down in all the details and all the weeds of all, all the conversations we have during the week. But it's so great to go to a life group, a, a group of people that really have. best interest in mind, and they are praying for me during the week, and to hear those stories, and they show up for you, um, and it just refocuses whatever lens I'm looking through so I could do my job better and more efficient, so it's just been
1: great. That's awesome. Yeah. Now, since you guys have been here, have have another brand new baby. Let's see both the kiddos up on. These guys make the cutest kids, and so... uh, We really do. Y'all's kids, you make such cute kids, you may owe it to the world to have eight. I mean, it... (laughs) What are you thinking? Hard pass. (laughs) And so, but even in moments like that, having a brand new baby, what do these relationships meant? This kind of this feeling of like...
0: Well, yeah, just being a new family. um, And one thing I love about our small group is, is we're all kind of different. We're all at different times in our life, different times in our marriage, like older kids, younger kids. And it's just to see the rest of our friends in our group just lead by example and to be inspired by that you know I think like that that fulfills me you know I think I think it fulfills us as a family especially being a new mom just being surrounded by other moms and like sharing war stories and and talking about yeah mom stuff I don't know sorry that's all what I think in my mind (laughs) especially when you're a new mom so it um it's definitely it's definitely helped me connect and yeah it's been great
1: Awesome, thanks guys. Let's give it up for these guys. So as we talk about immeasurably more in our friendships, before we can experience immeasurably more in our friendships, we gotta recognize that there's immeasurably more at stake when it comes to our friendships. We, we desperately need more in our friendships uh, because, first, because we're living in a crisis of friendship and an epidemic of loneliness. In the last 50 years, rates of loneliness have doubled in the United States. In a survey of over 20,000 American adults, it was found that almost one half of respondents reported feeling alone, left out, and isolated. One in four Americans share that they rarely feel understood, and one in five believe they rarely or never feel close to people. So there's this, there's this crisis of friendship, there's this epidemic of loneliness. I think there's a lot of reasons for this, one, I, we're, we're busier than ever. We're working more than ever. We, uh, and then when we're not working, we ha- we we keep ourselves busy busy with so many planned activities that that many times we begin to live in in sort of a, a poverty of relationships. There's really three big kinds of 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 poverty. There, there's economic poverty, which is what we usually think about that someone that doesn't have enough uh, resources to meet the basic needs of life, and then there's spiritual poverty, someone that that is, is living far from God, and then there's this relational poverty, which, which so many people experience, in part because of busyness, one of the reasons that friendship gets so much harder in midlife. Uh, I read an article that the average age at which we meet our best friends is 21 years old, a stage where we're bonding over all of these new life experiences, but we we also have less going on. We have more time. We're we're not not focused on marriage and parenting and building careers, and and so it, it can get so Difficult. In fact, uh, what's been, one study showed that the average American spends 41 minutes a day socializing when it actually takes about 200 hours to form a close friendship. And so many times, this, as we go into, into, into the years of career and family, uh, it gets so very difficult. To, one person has, has, has coined this term. The 30s have been called the decade where friendships go to die. So, if you're in your 30s, you're, you're welcome for that encouraging word this morning. The other reasons on top of busyness are the increase in divorce. Couples split up and, and end up sharing the kids. One person gets the house, maybe the other person gets the friends. It makes uh, friendships very, very challenging. The increase in mobility, the average American moves once every five years. If you're between the ages of, of 20 and, and 40, on average, uh, in that, those years, you move every three years, and, and that's just talking local moves, but then you talk about how much more mobile we are in terms of cross-country moves. The vast majority of people at Life Church have, have moved to, to Nevada in the last few decades, and so this increase in mobility makes relationships harder than ever. Modern conveniences, as grateful as I am for those, they, they, they have had an effect on relationships, things as, as awesome as the air conditioner. Which, listen, I'm not buying a house with no AC, but before the air conditioner when, when, in the evening, the coolest place you could be was on your front porch, and your neighbors were on their front porch, and your, and your the people across the street were on their front porch. It just led to a much more connected culture, and then things as great as the attached garage. You know, when you had a, in the time of detached garages, you park in your garage and you kind of walk sixty, hundred feet to your house. But now you can just drive right into your garage, close that garage door, and and live next to your neighbors for a decade and never have to speak with them. It's uh, and some of you are like, yes, that's what I like about it. And so. Uh, the attached garage. And then things is, you know, if you remember life before the answering machine and uh, back in the day when the answering machines were a thing and somebody would, would call and then they'd begin to talk on that answering machine, you'd be like, oh, I do wanna to talk to them, I'll pick it up. And then before, but before the answering machine and caller ID, if your phone rang at your house, you answered it. And now you're looking at it and you're like, well, I don't, I don't wanna to talk to them. And so it kind of creates this boundary and and this barrier and then the internet and and, and personalized entertainment. All of these things have these things that have so so much upside, great things, but they have added to this epidemic of loneliness. And and, and here's the thing, friendships are at the very essence of what it is to be human. Ecclesiastes 4, Solomon writes this, he says, again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was, and he says, so there's this person. They're all alone. He, he says there was no end to his toil. He, they're just working all the time. Yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. And so they, he, was, he, he was economically wealthy, but relationally impoverished, like a whole lot of people in South Reno where they have everything that, 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 that would say, this is what success looks like, but they don't have the thing that's ultimately most fulfilling. That's what's going on with this guy. Here's what he says. He says, "For I am who, who am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. Two are better than one. He said, we need each other because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and, and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So what Solomon is recognizing is there's something incredibly sad and wrong about going through life alone, going through life with this feeling of of loneliness, But, but every piece of data would say that Americans are experiencing that at record levels, this feeling of being alone, even when surrounded by a bunch of people, this feeling of, does anybody get me? Do I have a real, true, close friend? And so when Solomon looks at that, it says, there's something wrong with this. I believe it's because of this reason. I believe it's hardwired in us to, to, to crave relationships, to crave friendship, because it's a part of who, of the essence of what it is to be human. It's a part of creation. See, see when, when, when we see in creation, it says God, God makes a thing. He says, that's good. God makes a thing, says that's good. God makes a thing, says that, that's good. He makes Adam. He says, it's not good. It's not good that man should be alone. And, but the question is, Why? Why did God look at creation before the fall had occurred, sin hadn't entered in the world, and said, this is not good? Here's why. Because the very essence of being made in the image of God. Genesis 1.25, we, we see, the scripture tells us in, in the first chapter of the Bible, it says, God says, let us make. See, the, the, even though in the Old Testament we don't see this concept of the Trinity fully fleshed out in the first chapter of the Bible, we see this picture of, of this, this Hebrew word for God, Elohim. It's this plural word. God says, let us make mankind in our image. It's, it's this image of God thing, that this idea of this, the Trinity living in relationship past. So John 15, 9, Jesus says, as the Father has loved me. See, Jesus didn't say, as the Father is currently loving me. It's it's this it's this different verb form which includes this past tense and ongoing. As the Father has loved me from eternity past, so I have loved you. It's this idea that from from eternity past, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit got one God, three persons living in this bond of love and friendship, this idea that God is relational, and so because he made us in his image, it's a part of what it means to be made in the image of God, is that we are made and created for relationship. So it wasn't because things Adam was imperfect that God looked at him and said, it is not good that man should be alone. It's because he, at that moment, was perfect in the image of God that he says, he's in my image. He's not meant to be alone. He's meant to be relational. I like how how Tim Keller talks about it. He says, Christianity says, first of all, it's the nature of, of God. The Christian God is different than any other kind of God. All the other religions believe in an impersonal God. Christianity says, from all eternity, there has always been one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Do you know what that means? This means that God is a God of friendship. This means Christianity says in a way that no other religion does say or can say that friendship was there at the foundation of existence. Before anything existed, there was friendship. Therefore, relationship is the meaning of existence. And so, see, the thing is, Friendship's at the very essence of what it means to be human. At the very essence of what it means to be created in the image of God. And so without friendship, life is, is, we're living a a subhuman kind of a life. It's not only at the essence of what it means to, to be human, it's at the essence of what it means to be Christian. John 15, 9, we read it a minute ago. Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you'll remain in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. We're gonna see the word love in this little few verses nine times. Love each other as I've loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. Jesus, looking to that moment not very far from this moment where, where he would die in our place, he says this is the ultimate demonstration of love. God demonstrates his love for us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, he says, greater love has no one than he lays down his life for his friends. Now, he uses the word love nine times, uses the word friend three times in these few verses, making it crystal clear to us that what Jesus is talking about is this, is this friendship kind of love, this friendship kind of love that Jesus has experienced with the Father from eternity past, this friendship kind of love that he says, I have for you. And, it's, and he's gonna invite us to then live this out. He says, you are my friends, If you do what I command, I no longer call you servants. Because a servant does not know his master's business. It's not the job of your, uh, of a servant. It's not the job of an employee in our context to, to understand all that's going on in the heart of their employer. Or this context uh, slave to master sort of situation. He, he says, I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. He says, a ser- an employee doesn't need to know what's going on in the heart of, of the employer. He says, he says, but, but I, I'm inviting you into this other place of relationship. He says, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. He says, I'm revealing myself to you in this personal kind of way. We're not simply children of God. We're not simply servants of God, not simply followers of God. We've been invited into this friendship. It's at the very essence of what it means to to be Christian this relationship piece, this friendship piece. For everything I learned from my Father I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that, that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. And he says, this is my command, love each other. He says, so just as the Father has loved me, that's how I've loved you, this friendship kind of love. And now I'm telling you, love each other that same way, this friendship kind of way. It's, it's, it's at the very essence of what it is to be Christian. See, the the New Testament writers consistently tie together that the work of Jesus in salvation, we tend to believe so so often that that the only reason Jesus died and rose again was so that our relationship with him could be made right, so that our sins could be forgiven, so that we could be be with him forever in eternity, and, and that we think it's just all about me and Jesus. And it is a lot about me and Jesus, but, but the, what the New Testament writers make clear over and over and over again is you can't separate the fact of, of what Jesus accomplished on the cross, making us friends with God and with him making us friends with one another or making us family with God and making us family with one another. That's what's, so maybe you grew up in a church like I did, old school church where everyone calls one another Brother Tom and Brother Bill and Brother Sam and Sister Sally and Sister Deborah and, and kind of weird and like super religious and churchy but, but also kind of awesome. Like this reminder that, that we're in this family thing together and so we, we see this in Hebrews 10. 19, the writer of Hebrews is going on this long rant about just the, the wonder of the gospel, making us right with God forever and ever. Hebrews 10, 19, he says, therefore, brothers and sisters, we're again, this reminder of this family thing, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, because Jesus has saved us and given us direct access to the Father. We're talking essence of the gospel stuff. By a new and living way, open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. Lots of times we stop there. It's me and Jesus. Jesus died. My sins be forgiven. I have direct access to him. Let's get close to Jesus. We stop there. He says, but with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience... And having our bodies washed with pure water, let let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Let us continue to faithfully follow Jesus. Let's not give up on following Jesus. It's all this stuff that's at the essence of what it means to follow Jesus. It says, for he who promised is faithful, but then what we see is the same thing we see over and over in the writings of Paul and Peter over and over and over again, that you can't separate this me and Jesus thing from the me and my brothers and sisters in Jesus thing. These spiritual friends, this family that God's placed us in. Let me show you verse 24. It says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on. Another translation, provoke. How can we, how can we help one another? Spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Let us sit around and think about how we might bring out the best in each other because we need each other. And he says, not giving up meeting together. He says, it's important that we come together, that we spend time together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. What we see here is the writer of Hebrews is saying, hey, in light of the wonder of what God has done and how, how he's given us this this relationship with him through the work of Jesus on the cross, he says, but, but you, you can't separate that from the fact that we're meant to do this together. We're meant to spend time together. We're meant to encourage each other, spur one another on, make each other better. We desperately need each other. These spiritual friendships, its at, at the very essence of what it means to be Christian. And then what he does is that very next verse, he begins to talk about how, how, how sometimes people begin to really struggle in their faith. And, the, and there's this, I believe he's making this very clear connection that when we don't have these spiritual friendships, this essence of Christianity, friendship with God, friendship with one another, what happens is it can begin to really cause us to struggle spiritually. And so it's the essence of being human. It's the essence of being Christian. And friendships require intentionality. Proverbs eighteen twenty four in the King James Version. Here's what it says. It says, a man who has friends must himself be friendly. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Have you ever been talking to somebody and they've been talking about how they don't have any friends? And you're thinking, if you want to know why that is, I could tell you. But I think it's gonna be a weird combo. What you do next time is you say, have you ever thought about reading Proverbs 18.24 in the King James Version? which basically says if you want to have good friends, be a good friend. Requires intentionality. It's a choice we make. It doesn't happen on accident. Let me just give you just a few quick, very practical things. None none of this is rocket science. Here's the first thing. Pray. Ask God for some great friends. There was a season six, seven, eight years ago where I, I I was in a season where I felt surrounded by people but lonely on the inside. And, and I began to just pray, God, would you give me some great friendships? And would you take some of my friendships to new levels? And, and God answered that prayer. And, and, and so you pray, ask God for some great friends. Reflect. Ask yourself this question. What, if I was making a list of the kinds of friends I want, make a list of the kinds of friends you wish you had, and then ask yourself, am I that type of friend? You think the kind of friends you're looking for, you're, you're, you're looking for friends that, that are there on good days and bad days, that friends that'll celebrate with you when it's a celebrate day, that'll grieve with you on a hard day, rejoice when you're rejoicing, weep when you're weeping. You're looking for the kind of friends that you don't have to always be the one to reach out and make the first call. They'll, so are, are you that kind of friend? You're you're looking for friends that will encourage you, that will bring out the best in you, that you spend time with them and you leave saying, man, I feel encouraged. I feel more filled with joy and peace and love. I I feel closer to Jesus because of this friendship. Am I that kind of friend? You're looking, I don't know about you, I'm looking for friends that I can laugh with. Sometimes life's hard I just want to laugh. Are you that kind of friend or is life always a downer? Ask yourself, what kinds of friends am I looking for, and how am I doing living out this Proverbs eighteen twenty four? If you want to, he who wants friends needs to be a friend. Reflect: Am I being the kind of person I'd want to be close to? Three. Prioritize. Am I? Cre- I think this is maybe the biggest thing. Am I creating time and space in my life for deep relationships? And if the answer is no, that and if the answer is that is no. And if it's true that that friendships are the very essence of what it is to be human, friendships are the very essence of what it is to be Christian, if I don't have time to prioritize deep relationships, then I need to make adjustments in my life. I need to prioritize time and space. Relationship happens in the margins. And so I've got to create time and space. I've got to prioritize it. That's really one of the the, the primary reasons. That, that that we have life groups. It's an act is 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 these groups of people that that meet uh pretty much every day of the week pretty much every different time of day. Groups morning, groups afternoon, groups evening, groups for men, groups for ladies, groups that are co-ed, groups all across northern Nevada. We got, we, we've got groups in Sparks, groups all across Reno. We've got Carson-specific groups as we prepare to launch the Carson campus. Look for those groups out there. But, but we have these groups all, and, and what we're doing is we're saying, we are going to set aside some time uh, on, a, on a weekly basis, most are, are weekly, we're gonna get together, usually eat some food, And and talk about what God's doing in our life and and really try to live out this whole thing of of loving one another in these Christ-centered relationships where, where we spur one another on, where we help each other, encourage each other to become the people that God's made us to be. And so in joining a group, what you're doing is you're saying, I am going to make that a priority if you've not yet signed up for one of our fall groups. Today's the big day to do that. They'll begin meeting in the next couple of weeks. You can sign up on the Church Center app. You can sign up online. And then we've got these tables out under the patio. Go and explore that. And and here's the thing. Some of you are thinking, well, what if I join a group and then I go and it's super weird? It's Like a legitimate fear. And every group has someone that's weird. And if you can't spot the weird person, it means it is you. That's how it works legitimate fears. There was a couple that joined a group last fall, and they called afterwards and said, Dave, uh, we went with that group. I think that group's good for them. I don't think it's good for me. Good for us. They're a little not for us. And and I said, I totally get it. I gave them the name of another group. They plugged into that group, and they're loving it and making great Christ-centered friendships where we bring out the best in one another. And so I wanna encourage you, try a group. If it's not for you, uh, Lydia, who, who leads out in all that stuff, she can help you find a new group. We want you to be in a group where you can thrive. And, but, but by doing that, you're saying, I am going to create space, make this a priority. Stop by the tables later, sign up for a group online or on the Church Center app, prioritize it. Then here's the next thing. You might say, am I, am I taking the risks that I need to take in order to create deep friendships? Sometimes the risk is taking the first step. Sometimes the risk is taking the first step and joining the group. Sometimes the risk is letting people get to know the real you. All of us have this fear that if people really knew the real me, then they might reject me. The Hebrew word for, for, for friend, Hebrew word for friendship is the same as the word for secret. It's, it's this, a friend is someone that you allow to, to see the, the parts of you that not everybody gets to see, some of those secret places in your heart. And so sometimes it's the risk of taking the first step. There's a, a, a couple of guys at Life Church that are the best of friends. They've been the best of friends for about 15 years. And, and, and these guys met, I mean, they became close 15 years ago when they were like in their late 30s and successful guys. And, and one of these guys, at this point, they were sort of acquaintances. And, and I still make fun of these guys for this, even though it's beautiful and awesome. Beautiful, awesome, and worth making fun of. And so he, uh, this guy takes the other one to lunch and says, hey, man, I love it when we hang out. Would you be my best friend? And I was like, man, that's like eight-year-old stuff. But what happened is those guys And their families have spent every Friday night or Saturday night together for most weekends for the last 15 years and have have this incredible, but that's a risk-taking move. Take someone to lunch at 37, 38 years old, another successful guy, and ask him to be your best friend. Like, that's a weird combo. Took a risk, lifelong deep friendship, the kind of friends everybody wishes they had. And so it might be a risk of taking a first step. might be that risk of letting people see more of you than you're used to letting them see. And then strategize. You know, when the writer of Hebrews said, let us consider how we might spur one another on to love and good deeds. Sit back and say, how how might I best in a life-giving kind of way Bring out the best of the people in, the, in my life. How can I be the kind of friend that, that, that spurs my other friends up to become the people that God's made them to be, not in a preachy kind of way, but just in, in a natural, just naturally spurring them on to become who God has made them to be. Strategize, how can I be that kind of friend? Let me pray for you. So Father, we do love you. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you created us to have friends. You created us to be friends with you. You created us to be friends with one another. Lord, we thank you that you showed the greatest love of all. And Christ laying down his life for us, laying down his life that we might be your children, might be your servants, your followers, and more than that, might be your friends. And Lord, we thank you that you didn't set us up to live this life or to live this Christian journey as something that we do alone, not as a solo sport, but that you've placed us in your your family where we live as brothers and sisters. We live as these friends. Lord, I I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to make these priorities. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to, to create space in our lives. I pray that you'd help us to take the first step Lord I, pray, Lord, I pray even as the next few minutes, Lord, as some people will be joining groups that they're not yet a part of groups, joining groups, and Lord, I pray for some of you just give them the courage to step out and take that step. Lord, I pray that you guide people to the ideal groups where, where, where they might really create some Christ-centered friendships that really do just help each of us become who you made us to be. Lord, I pray guide into those groups. Lord, I pray that lifelong friendships centered on You would be born, and, and people that join groups even today. And it's in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to the Life Church Reno podcast. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages like this, and you can also find more information at lifechurchreno.com. Blessings to you.